Happy Friday, theater lovers. This week's guest is Max Major. I accidentally lied to Max. He is episode two of season two. My bad. Sorry, Max. In today's episode, what don't we talk about? Big career changes, the evils of social media, what planned spontaneity means, and much more. A few swears in this one that I tried to bleep out, but uh, shield your children accordingly. On with the show. Okay, so Max Major, welcome to Sarnia Famous. You are episode one of season two. Yay! Sweet! The premiere! Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So welcome, welcome. Um, I'm honored. Thank you. So I have to, first thing that I want to talk about selfishly is when (laughs) I let you know that I do these interviews by Facebook rooms um, and that I had concern because I didn't think you were on Facebook, you passed along an account by the name of Biff Webster, I think it was. And I just, I died laughing because I've never heard of anybody doing that before, especially not with such a creative name. So can you tell me all about that, please and thank you? Yeah, so uh, over the years, I've always had a very uncomfortable relationship with social media. Mm. Sometimes I'm all into it, and sometimes I want nothing to do with it. And having an alias allows me to do both. But, yeah, mostly um, the reason I have a fake Facebook account, and to be Clear. I don't have any uh, social media accounts under my name. I, I've quit <laughs> social media. But I needed a Facebook account to run the radio station Facebook page. You, you have to be on Facebook to admin for another like business Facebook oh, page. Yeah, okay. so, I had to, so I had to be on there somehow. Plus, it's just a great space to, to find news articles. And all I did was follow like global news and sports chat and like all these things just so that I would, it would be one big news feed basically. And the name Biff Webster actually comes from a, a George Carlin bit. Uh, it's from like the early two thousands. And it always stuck with me when he was talking about the manliest names of all time, like Spud Crowley, Biff Webster, Chuck Steak. You know, these were, these are manly names. And I don't know why Biff Webster always stuck with me, but that's, that's why I named my fake account Biff Webster. Um, I don't know what my perception of manly men are, but I, yeah, Biff Webster isn't up there when I think of like masculinity. But uh, no, <laughs> maybe that's just me. Um, super funny. And then okay, and then okay, okay. I'm so excited about this. It's maybe not appropriate right at the start, but screw it. It's well, my that's show. Not appropriate. Okay, yeah. so. For my birthday, I mean for the show's birthday, Brent gave me this card game. And, oh, Brent um, Wilkinson? Yeah, and it's called Which One? So I, I want to start a new segment on the show, and we'll call it Which One? Brought to you by Brent. And so the game is, uh, first of all, pick blue or red? Uh, blue. Okay. <clears throat> so... I'm going to pick two two of the top cards, and you have to choose which one you would prefer, I guess, is the idea. Sure. And, and you have to explain why you've chosen. Okay, so we're going blue. Which one would you rather never watch TV again or have a hamster the size of a house and go? 
which would I rather have? Uh-huh. And why? Yeah, I'd rather have a hamster the size of a house and be able to watch television than to not be able to watch television and not have a hamster the size of a house. For real? Yeah. You did not TV even very hesitate. No, I, me and my TV are best buds. I love a good story, uh, whether it's anime or whether it's movies or whether it's television shows, which have only gotten better recently. Yeah, I, I, I love TV. So uh, when you said there was an option between never watch TV again and X or Y, it's, I'm not going to choose to not watch TV. But what are we doing? Fan. What are we doing with this hamster the size of a house? How are we? Well, I would have to figure it out. That's the thing is that like not watching TV is not an option. So I, it would be a bridge I'd cross when I get to it. But yeah, <laughs> the hamster. I don't know. I my daughter likes to watch Clifford the Big Red Dog a lot, and that is about a giant dog. And he seems to get along with everybody, and they go on adventures and things. So. Maybe I would have an adventure pal, and maybe I'd make some money off him as well by letting neighborhood children come and pet him. I was just going to say, pay like, for my TV. Yeah, you know? and and you would have your own show eventually, pretty sure, if you had a giant hamster. What 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 would you name your giant hamster the size of a house? Oh, I'm so creative. I'm going to name it Hammy. <laughs> Hammy the giant <laughs> house-sized hamster. I love that. So what's your favorite TV show? Uh, what, right now or of all time? Uh, <laughs> both. Okay. Let's start with right now. Right now, I love uh, The Sandman on Netflix. Ooh, it's so good. Yeah. So you've watched it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you watched it all? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that, that one episode, I'm not going to spoil things, but okay. that one episode that takes place in the diner, is probably one of the best episodes of television I've seen in a long time. And then the episode immediately after that where he's with death, the personification of death. Yes, yes, yes. And there's a scene with a baby, and I cried. I cried and cried and cried. As a father, I... It was nuts. Like, I have not been moved or felt emotion that strong but that show brought it out of me. So I actually yeah. went out and bought the graphic novels. Now I'm reading the, the, the Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So I'm, I'm reading those, um, and it is pretty close to how the TV show works, but I'm, yeah, I'm, in, I'm loving that television show, and I implore anybody to go watch it. Oh, awesome. And then, uh, best television show of all time. If I have to be honest, the television show I go back and watch and rewatch regularly my favorite TV show of all time is an old 90s sketch comedy show called Mr. Show. I don't know if you've heard of that one. It's got uh, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. Um, you might know David Cross from Arrested Development, Bob Odenkirk from Breaking Bad. He's Saul Goodman. Um, but back in the 90s, they had a sketch comedy show, and it's like a modern Monty Python's Flying Circus and it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It still makes me laugh, and I still rewatch it. The only thing close to it was um, another show on Netflix called, uh, what is it called again? I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. I love that show. I've rewatched that probably like two or three times because it is so good, and every episode's only 15 minutes. So why not? It's perfect for parenting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's the premise behind I Think You Should Leave? It's very, very cringy. 
awkward sketch comedy. Oh. <laughs> it's so it's just it's just nonsensical, very confrontational, very again, cringy is the best word I could use, uh, but it's like that kind of comedy that makes you uncomfortable and makes you like slink back into your chair. I don't know. I love that. Like Tim and Eric, awesome show. Great job is another one of those shows with that same vein of humor. And sorry, like if you get me on this tangent, I will talk about <laughs> shows and movies and anime. And like I, I'm Mr. Media, man. I'm I'm that guy who curates all my stuff for my buddies. Like, oh, do you like this? Awesome. You'll like this, this, and this. Also, listen to this album and watch this as well, and maybe read this because you'll like all of this. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm I'm a librarian by day, so I kind of do that as my job. So um, with books, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, so what is it about the the cringy humor that appeals to you? I don't know. I it's just that type of humor really flies with me. That uncomfortable humor, like I think Monty Python really did it well back in the '60s, and then it's kind of evolved over the years, but they all pay homage to each other. So if you look at Monty Python and then you look at Mr. Show and then you look at Tim and Eric Awesome Show, great job, and now you look at I Think You Should Leave, you can see the DNA of each of those shows in the ones that came before and how they build on it and make it even more hard to watch sometimes <laughs> with just how awkward it is. Like There are lots of situations in everyday life that we try try to avoid in conversations we don't want to have mm -hmm. these kind of shows force them to the forefront and have humorous consequences of being that person who just won't let that one thing go or being somebody who's a complete hypocrite uh in front of their friends and family and being called out on it like those those moments of of well again cringe is the best word i can think of but just the, like you know what i mean when i say cringe right yeah I think like you so. can't if you're listening to this, you can't see me, but it's that kind of like, oh, you're, you're. <laughs> not, it's not gross. It's just, oh, this is so awkward. I would hate this if this happened to me. And I, I absolutely love that humor. For for the theater shows in Sarnia that I've been in, that's usually how I pick them, <laughs> is based off of the humor involved or how seriously it takes itself, I guess. So the shows I've been in are, you know, Monty Python's uh, Spamalot. Rock of Ages, uh, and then Evil, Evil Dead, Dead the musical. These are these are all uh, <laughs> musicals based off of shows or movies or you know. Are you seeing the tie in here? <laughs> it comes back around, but yeah, if they make a musical about a thing that I like, then I usually want to be a part of it because I think that's another form of comedy to me is making musicals out of things that shouldn't be musicals, <laughs> like Evil Dead. Huh. Well, it is. Like, there's a bunch of guys in Toronto that made Jaws the Musical. <laughs> Hell yeah, I want to see Jaws the Musical. Um, <laughs> I went in Toronto to go see uh, Jerry Springer the Opera, which was a musical <laughs> about Jerry Springer dying and going to hell, and then no. Jerry Springer having to do a Jerry Springer show between God and the devil no. about the meaning of life and the universe, and it's, it's yeah. <laughs> so I'm not that guy who's going to be in Les Mis or that guy who's going to be in... Uh, Mary Poppins or something. I usually need it to be something nuts and <laughs> not very serious and almost taking the, I don't want to say the, taking the pee out of itself. 
<laughs> that's that's my style of humor and definitely my style of theater. Fair enough. I'm I'm extremely awkward as a human being. So um, I I, uh, I guess to hear that you you enjoy that awkwardness in humor, it it made me feel awkward and that. And I don't like feeling awkward, even though that's like 80% of my day is feeling awkward because it's like in my DNA. But that's really interesting that you seek that out. So then do you have a, a process for seeking out awkward comedy in your own performances? Or is it something that comes naturally? Uh, or, or how do you see that in terms yeah. of your your acting? So... There's one scene that comes to mind from Evil Dead the musical that a lot of people seemed to give me props for uh, when you're talking about awkward humor. So I there was there was one scene where I was playing this character Jake. He's like a redneck, and it was a transition scene. You know, so the the, the curtains are closed and it's all happening in front of the curtains so people can change the backdrop in the background. You know, mm-hmm. and um, the one night it's just me out there for the start of the scene. And the, the curtain didn't close all the way. It got stuck about three quarters of the way, and they were projecting this forest onto the curtains. But you could see the back of the stage still. And here I am out on stage with a spotlight on me, and my line was something along the lines of, like, why I, I, I'm here in this forest or something <laughs> like that. And I, 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 I looked at the audience, and I made it really, again, awkward, and and uh, drew it out, and then I said, you know, oh, it's so weird to be here in these three quarters of a forest because <laughs> it, it was only out of certain. And the the whole place erupted in laughter, and the people backstage lost their minds, and it, it was just one of those weird moments where you have to roll with a with a malfunction on stage. But but that to me was hilarious because it was so awkward. You're watching you're watching the scene obviously go the way it's not supposed to. And to watch someone struggle up there, but then still kind of stick the landing and continue like there's nothing wrong. It, it, I don't know. That that was a, a really fun moment that, uh, at least for me, works in my sense of humor and improv into a moment. Um, but when I seek out things like that, and I guess that's what I'm looking for, is, is like, I, like I said earlier, the, not taking yourself too seriously is a big component. I'm not serious. I'm not competitive. I don't like sports, and if I am playing sports, I'm the pylon that just hopes everyone has fun. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm not that guy. So like when I get into theater or when I get into anything, really, the, the less seriously I can take it, the more comfortable I am. <laughs> Fair enough. I, you know, I was thinking as you were saying that it's one thing to keep a scene going and kind of play it off like the, you know, the backdrop isn't falling apart. But it's another thing to kind of like break that fourth wall and acknowledge it and make it awkward, but yeah. also make it funny and let the audience in on the joke a little bit. I think that's like an extra little talent. Well, thank you. Well, it, it just that comes from radio. In radio, there's a thing called planned spontaneity, uh, which is that you've got the points you want to hit in a certain break or a certain conversation, but you don't rehearse it and you don't you know, try to plan it all out from beginning to end. You have to kind of work and improvise through it. You want to know how you're getting in and you want to know how you're getting out. But in the middle, you know, hit the points you want to hit, but leave enough of it unrehearsed that there is room for spontaneous moments. So 
in theater, it's different, right? You, you're sticking to the script. If you go off the script, you're going to throw everything off. It's a machine, and you're a cog in it. But in moments like that, where I'm staring down an audience, and there's a malfunction, and the scene must go on, that kind of radio part of me kicked in and thought of a way to kind of bridge the gap between this guffaw and this scene and make it seem like it's all part of the, I don't know, it, it, but that's, that's the radio thing. Like improv and spontaneity is such a big part of it that, that you can roll with the punches if you're, if you're used to having no safety net like that <laughs> when, when moments go wrong. I love that term, planned spontaneity. So you're you're going through a pretty big career change. Did you did you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, I, I can say that like for ten years I did uh, radio uh, mornings for K one oh six point three, now cool one oh six point three, which was an amazing experience. I grew up listening to K one oh six point three and to take the helm and, and be that voice for people waking up every day for 10 years, like hearing kids tell me they grew up listening to me or people saying that they've like been through so many jobs, but I was always there mm. as a constant, you know, that, that really, it's powerful. that really means a lot to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been in radio longer. Like I, I did radio in Belleville and Timmins and Kirkland Lake was where I started. Find that on a map and I'll give you <laughs> five bucks. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's, uh, I just, I, I thought it was time for a change, yeah. I guess. And I, I yeah. had a great opportunity to, to start working with companies that I, that I know and love in Sarnia. One of them being uh, the Imperial City Brewhouse, which is the brewery right by the Lambton Mall on Exmouth and London Road. And then also uh, I'll be doing sales for Front Street Heat, uh, Top Shelf Canada, okay. the, the Sarnia made hot sauce. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're actually this weekend down in New York uh, at the New York Hot Sauce Expo, and oh, every part of me wanted to be there with them, but I couldn't make it this weekend. And yeah, but this, there's so many really. That was one thing in radio that that I really enjoyed was meeting all the people in the community who have these big ideas and big vision, and uh, I just want to like I liked helping people with them when they came in for interviews or when they were doing advertising and stuff, and I got to be a part of that. It, I liked that a lot. That became my favorite part of the job. So to actually get in the trenches with these businesses now and help them with their sales. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying that. So I guess that's the next leg of my career is finding cool people and helping them do cool things. Well, good for you for being brave to make that big of a change, especially if you've been doing radio for a long time and it's comfortable for you. You're good at it to to make that big big leap into something different yeah it, it can't be easy but i'm glad that it's already rewarding you in terms yeah of and the funny thing about me is i absolutely despise change <laughs> <laughs> but yet there are just i don't know if you've ever had those moments in your life where you where you, even if you hate change you know it needs to happen yep and i hate every part of it i just want to be comfortable again but being uncomfortable is also got its own little upside. Being on your toes and having to work hard again instead of being comfortable and complacent. It's a, uh, I guess every once in a while you do need to kind of shake yourself up a little bit, shake yourself awake. Also on the side, the pandemic, I, I have to imagine played a part in not only my career change, but a lot of people's career changes. Mm -hmm. It's, they call it the great reset or the great, uh, the great shuffle. A lot of people are realizing that 
yeah, you know what, maybe I should be doing something else or maybe I need to be doing something else. And I don't think I'm alone in being uh, somebody who took stock of everything and went, you know what, I'm going to... I'm gonna fold my hand for a new one. I don't know how it's gonna turn out, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. I think I need to. Yeah. Um, no, I, I definitely. There's been a lot of of changes like that. And do you take that skill, that plan spontaneity, into life with you as well? Then with this new change. Totally. Like it's it's actually amazing so far how many skills I thought were radio exclusive that are transferable to almost anything the, the biggest one being just being able to talk to people especially people i can't see uh, when i'm making sales calls or, or cold calls to lcbo's for imperial city or you know any of the stores for front street heat i'm used to talking to people i can't see thanks to my background in radio so that works out really well but i think the biggest thing and i don't know if you can teach this it's just always been my way is i'm not afraid of people I'm not afraid to talk to people. I don't have social anxiety. I actually just went on a, a trip to Chicago with my little brother to go see a band called Ramstein. And he has like crippling uh, social anxiety. And I felt bad because the whole trip, I'm making vacation friends. Every bar, I'm talking to people. Every lineup for merch, I'm talking to people. I'm always talking to people. I like talking to people. <laughs> so and it's, and it, it, that's... It, I know this is like a theater-based podcast, so I can I can roll it back to that because I'm not an actor. I'm just not afraid of people. <laughs> so I can get up on stage and I can do whatever you need me to do. And if things go wrong, I can still roll with it and not freeze because I'm just I'm not afraid of people. So that just helps. It's helped with both of my new ventures. And, and it's a skill I maybe developed during radio or maybe I was born with it. I actually don't really know, but I'm sure there's other people who experience the same thing where they just, they don't get that social anxiety. Um, can you give classes or bottle that or, or something like I, I can do one-on-ones, but in large groups of people, I am that person that has the crippling anxiety. And I think I end up looking like a snobby bitch, but I'm really just like, Hey, I'm really nervous and I want to talk to you, but I'm terrified. So you could probably have a little side hustle there. Here's an anxiety attack. You are going to go on stage in front of an entire crowd of people before a headlining band. And the people who are promoting the show want you to go up there and talk. But they've given you no talking points. And you have no idea what you need to say when you go up there. And it's go time. And they give you a piece of paper and shove you out on stage in front of that crowd waiting to see somebody else. And you got to roll with it. You know how many times that's happened to me? <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying so the band wasn't showing up and they were telling you to go and tell them that the band wasn't coming? Is that what you're saying? No, it's more like an intro thing. Like, I have oh. to go up there a lot of times with the radio station and be like, hi, I'm me. Listen to me, please. Also, the promoter would like you to know that this, 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 and this. All right, coming up next, you know, Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, like that's a situation that happens a lot in radio where you are just thrown out on a stage in front of a whole crowd of people and expected to just, oh, you're from radio. You can just, just talk to them. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would rather die than be in that position, yeah, huh? but I've done it so well, it doesn't phase me. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. That sounds, yeah, absolutely terrifying. Yeah, it's a fun bunch of fun. <laughs> it's a fun just a fun, big old bunch of funs. So then... Uh... 
I guess we, so this is a theater podcast, but like mostly it's to kind of get to know you. So have you always, you've always been like that. Even when you were a little kid, you would just talk to, to anybody and everybody. Yeah. I used to do uh, some theater when I was a child. I loved speeches. You know, remember back in like grade four when they'd make it get up in front of the whole class <laughs> or the whole school and like do a speech that you had to rehearse and write and that was my favorite. I loved it. Oh, my that. gosh. <laughs> and I, I got into, like, competitions for it and stuff. And, like, so, yeah, it has always been there. And I've just always been that, that guy that doesn't, I don't know. It's gotten, like, a little bit less with age. But definitely as a kid, I wanted eyes on me. So uh, that was a thing. But I'm finding as I age, I crave that less and less. Mm-hmm. I'm actually more happy to be anonymous. Now we're back to the fact that I've got a fake social media account and no social media, but that gives me anxiety. Talking to people, I'm that guy who doesn't go to the grocery store uh, self-checkout. I want to talk to a person. I I know I don't want to use the website to pay my online bill. I want to call somebody and I want to talk to a person. I'm just, and my friends hate me because I don't text, I call. I don't want to text out a novel or whatever. I want to talk to you, and they hate it because people don't like to talk these days, I guess. But I don't know. That's that's always been my thing. Social media freaks the hell out of me. What? I'm 33 years old. I remember I've been there since MySpace. <laughs> but uh, over the years, social media has kind of developed like a weird mob mentality, uh, and yeah. it's gotten dark and and depressing. I can't even look at comment sections without like weeping for humanity anymore. And it's like, I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know if humans are meant to know this much. Maybe we'd know too much. Maybe we get too much information. Like I think about my dad in the eighties reading a newspaper. Did he need to know what was like, what human rights atrocity was happening on the other side of the world? No, he just needed to go to work and feed his family. And, like, I, I kind of want to get back to that and roll back the clock a little bit, at least for me, because mm-hmm. I, I find that it's not very good for me. And so I made the decision years ago to get off of uh, social media, and I've, I've tried them all. I even tried a little stint with Instagram because I thought it would be okay, but it's still the same thing. And uh, doing that through radio as well, I found, was, especially during the pandemic, was was a lot so I don't know being on there being a target of people especially when you're a public face just I'm not into it like there are people that that told me when I got out of radio I should run for like city council or something like that like that's the opposite of what I want I want it to be as far away from public discourse of politics as anyone can get and the best way to do that is to get off social media Hmm. so that's been a but people look at you like you've got three heads when you tell them you don't have a social media, you know what I mean? Like, oh, no, I can't I can't find you on Facebook. I can't find you on Instagram. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. What do you do with your time? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's because you're you're a public figure, right? So it, it is an interesting kind of dynamic for you because you're comfortable being the center of attention, being up in front of people, um, being a public figure. And so then the natural thought is that you would be comfortable with social social media because it's now become the extension of that, right? But obviously there's a, a part of you that likes to, to still have privacy and and maybe not get beaten to death in comments. Has that has that happened? Like with being on the radio, has there been times where you've 
you've been dragged through the mud via comments or anything like that? Or is that personal? Where do I start? Oh no! Where do I start? You, sorry, oops, I, I, sorry, I'll bleep that out. If you need to swear, I can also make this an explicit episode. I swear like a sailor. No, just bleep it out. Beeping out's funny. Fuck hey. Um, so, uh, yeah, during the pandemic, I was all about public health and safety. So masks, vaccines, things like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't think this was controversial. This was this was what was being told to us. So on I went about it. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to give this business any attention, but if I say there is a business who has been a lightning rod for uh, just lunatic people, I would think that somebody would be able to put the pieces together, and uh, they put on a, on a public board that they wanted me hung for war crimes. What? Nur- Nuremberg 2.0, that I'm a, yeah. Whoa. And I was like, okay. I don't think this local business is going to actually come and lynch me, but all it takes is one what? person yep. in that comment who, who wants to decide that they're going to make, yeah, they're going to make society a better place by removing me from it. That's all it takes. Absolutely. And that was kind of eye-opening for me. It's like I don't, I don't want to be uh, part of that kind of discourse. Oh my and, god! And even like as the pandemic went on, it just like that's like an actual scary one, whereas. Something more annoying, uh, for instance, was, you know, like when you're in radio, you're out at local events, you take pictures, and like, hey, come check out this thing, and you put it on the social media page for the radio station. So, um, oh, what's the name? There's a bison farm out near Cam Lackey. Cop, copper kettle? No, copper kettle. Copper. Anyways, there's a bison farm out in the county. And they were doing a big, like, bison farm uh, open house thing, and uh, my wife and I thought it would be fun to bring our baby out there. It was in the middle of the winter, and it was in the middle of a lockdown. Now, you were allowed to be outside, right, during the lockdown. Uh, and when we went there, a lot of people were wearing masks outside as well, which you didn't have to wear a mask outside, but mm-hmm. we decided to mask up as well because we want everyone to be comfortable. Like, yeah. that's the vibe. Yeah. That's the way the wind's blowing. Then, awesome, we'll wear masks if everyone's wearing masks. And there's a picture of us in front of this bison in the middle of a field with our masks on, and that was the whole comment section. You virtue signaling piece of shit. Uh, you know what? You, are you afraid the bison are gonna get COVID? Oh You're out God. in the field. You. And that was like the way. Like, and that was the whole comment oh section was just God. how it's like. It's a family photo in a bison farm. Could you like jack it down a little bit or no like? Kidding. And so you had to. You had to be so aware of everything you were doing because there was just this brigade of people who were the most miserable, like awful people who just want nothing more than to ruin your day oh and God. i find especially with facebook facebook is the worst for it I, like if you're on instagram then cool instagram's fine still not for me but not nearly as toxic as facebook has become in my opinion huh. so as soon as i was done with the radio station it was like well i'm detonating that like my facebook account now i only exist as biff webster <laughs> and if you add me i will never add you back and it's not because i think you're awful and i'm a jerk because it's not there for any other reason than just to look at news articles. Trusted, sourceable news articles. See, like, you think... <laughs> are you getting a little bit of the... you getting the edge yet? Now that this is all coming out of me, it's like, sure, let's go. 
I think uh, you're very diplomatic, even 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 what you've gone through in how you're wording it, and it all seems very like relatable and understandable. And honestly, I think I probably would have dropped a lot more expletives in telling that story than than you did. Um, it, it is unfortunate that the pandemic did seem to bring the best and the worst out of people. There are a lot of positives yes. that came out of it. Like totally. you said before, where the big um, shakeup, everybody's, you know, reevaluating and trying new things and all of the, the creative ways that people were like, even think of the theater and all of the ways that they were trying to pivot and still give people shows and give actors and actresses opportunities to be on stage. All of those kinds of, creative outlets were amazing but unfortunately there's also that other side of it that is really just awful and i'm sorry you guys went through that it's silly oh that's it is what it is but yes let's let's pivot to the positive uh the one thing i'm super proud of that happened during the pandemic which was a really good sign of how cool our community was is the sign war i don't know if you remember that happening last year but it was local businesses taking pot shots at oh, each other, like yeah. funny little jabs using their business signs. Now, this was something I saw happening in the States in like this town in Louisiana or something, completely born of itself. Just two local businesses <laughs> decided to do it and it turned into a, into a town-wide sign war. And I thought, that is hilarious. Plus, again, we were in another lockdown and everyone was just boiling over and the worst was coming out. So I thought, wouldn't that be fun to try and, and start that with the radio station and shout out to Chrissy uh, over at uh, Doggy Dog. She was the one that uh, I had fire the first shot and it blew up. Actually, ours blew up bigger than anyone else's. We had like the biggest weeks long running sign war. Uh, CTV came down to cover it. They made CTV uh, in Calgary. And then all, all of a sudden other radio stations across the country were starting to rip it off. Like our, the sign war post we did on Facebook reached millions of people. It was wow. a legit viral, a viral post. Uh, and that was kind of fun for me. It was like, cool, bucket <laughs> list. I did a viral thing, like a legit <laughs> viral thing. But that was like the, the way that the local businesses in Sarnia would take shots at each other. Like there were no hurt feelings. It was all in fun and everyone had a blast with it. And that was so cool that, that, was like a pressure release during yeah. whatever lockdown that was lockdown number four in 2021 that was that was really neat and that was social media doing something positive that was the community in lockdown doing something positive that was really cool so yeah as much as again as i can rip on social media and the pandemic and this and that like nothing's ever black or white right there's always yeah. good and bad to be had mm-hmm. in any of these things and that was probably my favorite example of, of something um, a cool that happened across the community uh, during the pandemic. I, I remember seeing bits and pieces of that throughout town. I didn't realize how big it got or that it was even featured. Calgary's my hometown, so that's interesting. Uh, I didn't realize that it reached that much of an audience. That's kind of cool. And it is a good reminder that there are positive things. Speaking of positive things, we're getting to that time in the show where I like to set aside the lift yeah. I like to set aside some time for the guests to talk about a side hustle or something they're passionate about. Anything at all does not have to be theater related. 
Yeah, I got a side hustle. Uh, you can find me on the corner of George and Christina at 11 o'clock at night on Thursdays. Uh, come, <laughs> come on by. And, uh, sorry. I wonder how many if people can... are going to be there. Like, hey, it's Thursday. What's going on? I'll be that guy who's like a couple blocks away, just seeing if anyone actually <laughs> <Yeah>. would want. To... <laughs> what kind of person would want to meet me on the street corner? <laughs> uh, I'll pass. I thought I could do better. Um, playing for charity. Uh, if you, if anyone who's listening to this remembers the Daryl Heater episode, me and Daryl Heater created a 24-hour video game marathon for children's charities in town. And uh, playing for charity is what we named it. And somehow we got the domain for that. You can go to playingforcharity.com. We own that. And that's our website. No one else had that website. How is that, that possible? That is prime real estate. I don't know. But we're going to never let it go. No kidding. Because playingforcharity.com just seems like a really good website. I, I can't even make a Gmail account without putting 5 billion numbers in it at this point. <laughs> but I can get playingforcharity.com. Okay, sure. But yeah, so Daryl Heater and I wanted to think of a fun way to raise money using our hobbies. We are not marathon runners. How do we raise money for children's charities? Okay, why don't we do a marathon where we just play video games for 24 hours straight and live stream? And uh, we did it in Lampton Mall, in the middle of Lampton Mall on Black Friday for years. We first raised money for Noel's Gifts, and then we raised money for Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and then we raised money for St. Clair Child and Youth, and then every year has been in support of them since, mostly because I don't think they get enough attention, and also, obviously you can tell by talking to me, mental health is something I think about and struggle with, and uh, <laughs> so for children to not have access to those services is awful. Yes. So uh, the fact that we have a great business, a great service in town that is able to give children and families uh, mental health and addictions counseling, uh, that's something that needs to stick around. So the way I always describe it is we're a bunch of man children raising <laughs> money for real children. And uh, we play video games for 24 hours straight. And I shouldn't say man children because we've had Bethany Teagues do it one year. We've had uh, Aaron Percival one year. Uh, this year is going to be Sierra Redmond. So uh, we've been making sure that the lady gamers get in on it too and that they can stay awake for 24 hours and not hate it by the end of it because it's you're literally stuck in a 10-foot by 10-foot fake living room where we just play video games for, for charity. Uh, but we've managed to raise over like 20 thousand dollars over oh the years uh might even be over twenty five thousand. Oh last God. year was over seven thousand it, it was our new record last year wow and uh we'll be doing it again this year it's every black friday but this time we'll be doing it in the tap room of imperial city brew house so it's trapped in the tap room for 24 hours we did it there last year and it was a great success so uh on black friday from noon until noon the following saturday you'll be able to come to imperial city brew house during their open hours hang out have a drink give some money to the kids and uh watch us slowly go insane while we play <laughs> video games and talk for 24 hours straight oh my god um do you guys have your video game picked out already well, we, luckily, we play a bunch of different video games. Oh, you don't uh, have to stick to one game. No. Okay. No, that would bring a new level of 
maybe like that's what we need to do to take it to the next level <laughs> is play one video game for 24 hours which if daryl heater is listening to this XCOM 2 is probably the one game we could play for 24 hours straight or like maybe try and beat persona 5 or i don't know there are games that are long enough and we could do it but nah we i don't think that would be as uh, i don't think that would be as exciting to watch we like to have different stuff uh, usually the latest NHL game, we always play that. We always do a fun uh, Sarnia Sting versus Team Canada game because you can put any team against any team. So, sure, why don't we see if, if the four of us controlling the Sarnia Sting can beat Team Canada, <laughs> the greatest team in the world in hockey, and we've not been able to do it yet. Oh, um, the system is so, so different. Yeah, <laughs> but one of these years, we're finally going to do it. One of my favorite bits is the uh, overnight spookies. So starting around midnight, we do play a horror game all the way through. So we've beaten a lot of the Resident Evils over the years. A lot of the, uh, I think it's Supermassive games that does uh, Until Dawn and, uh, Jesus, so many of them. Anyways, we play a horror game, a scary game, all night, usually all the way through. So that's where, like, because I have such an overactive imagination, like, I just got goosebumps thinking about being in a in a building like that, playing a horror game. Oh, yeah. Try being in the mall. Yeah, I would think the mall would be creepier than the, the pub. At least the pub's open later, so there'd be other people around for longer. It is, but there's nobody in there after. Whereas the mall, you have the lovely cleaning folks uh... that come by every once in a while. And then they open up really early because the mall walkers have to start going through. So there's a bunch of confused elderly people who don't know why we're there in the mall playing video games. Why are these As they walk children? by. <laughs> you should be walking, not sitting on a couch. Too funny. Oh, yeah. I Thanks, think... Dad. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping to figure out a way to come and interview you guys. I still haven't gotten that all sorted out. But I, I would love to come and interview you guys at like 2 a.m. or something like that, having just had a little nap and be all fresh, just to get you when you're real weird. That That's what I'm what I'm hoping for. Though actually, weird, weird o'clock is actually closer to like 6 a.m. Oh, oh, that's even better for me. Okay, 6 a.m., I'm writing this down. Yeah, like there's, you can watch it online, but if you look at around 6 or 7 a.m. last year, we were, you know, okay, so at that point we were about uh, 12, 14, like 16 hours in. And, um, and we were playing Garfield Kart, or Garf Kart, <laughs> as um, Bethany Teague calls it. And that is the stupidest banter you will ever hear in your life. Like, we have literally lost our minds <laughs> at that point of the, of the proceedings. And there was a year before, too, where we were playing Overcooked. And Overcooked is a stressful team-based game where you have to coordinate in a kitchen to make food. So we're all yelling at each other, like, I need the meat over here. Like, oh, no, I'm chopping vegetables. And, and I, I literally, like, I dropped, like, a plate. My character in the game dropped, like, a plate of food. And I literally just laughed. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life. <laughs> and the footage was on there, but, like, I've, it was, like, complete insanity. Yeah, I like that kind of laugh is not possible when you are of a sound mind. <laughs> it was uh, it was ridiculous, but yeah, like it, it's it is hilarious when you get to that point where we're just we're beyond fumes, 
and there's just nothing in the tank, that's usually the best time to watch the Playing for Charity 24-hour video game marathon. Okay, that's that's good to know. So this has gone by super fast. Thank you. There's still so many things that we could have talked about, but thank you so much for your time and for all the giggles. And, uh, yeah, thanks for being here. Are you still there? Thank you, Dallas. Oh, God, I was like, did I yeah, lose yeah. him now of all times? Well, I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't want to cut you off. It seemed like you were wrapping it up. And it was, hey, who, 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 Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm just trying to go back over the conversation in my head now. <laughs> it's like we started with uh, Biff Webster and got all the way to, um, yeah, like the video game chair or the the decline of Western society. And uh, it's always fun when you can try and connect the dots of a conversation all the way back through this. That's what I do when I'm editing any of these. I'm like, how? This is so random the whole time. But that's that's the fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you've, you've had a lot of really great people on this show, uh, people that I've worked with in theater that I really appreciate and respect. And it's very nice uh, to have been on here myself. Thank you so much for reaching out. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, um, I'm glad we can make this work, and thanks for your time. Okay. Okay, and we're back. Uh, you had a story that you wanted to share, so we're on recording number two. And go. Epilogue! <laughs> okay, so back when you mentioned the name Brent Wilkinson, uh, I wanted to tell a story about the time that me and Brent Wilkinson and Trevor Morris, all people who you've had on your show before, uh, went to Quebec City and ended up living out of my car, my tiny little Honda Civic, so we were going to go see a band called Ramstein. Second time they've been mentioned in this episode. I like this band, if you can't tell. <laughs> go listen to Ramstein. <laughs> uh, so we were going to Quebec City for this. Trevor, at the last moment, decided that he wanted to come. He didn't even have tickets for the show. He wasn't staying in the hostel that I was booked, you know, that I had booked for me and Brent. We'll figure it out. He'll just live in my car, and we'll be in the hostel, and we'll figure it out. So we drive to Quebec City. It was a very long drive. And we get there, and it's called the Festival Date. It's a like, summer festival. And we were supposed to stay in this one hostel. Problem was that the weekend was the wrong weekend. Oh. The Festival Date is a two-weekend festival, and I booked the wrong weekend, oh so we had God. no place to stay. And everything was booked. So Trevor was laughing uh, because now we're all on his level. We all <laughs> have no place to stay now. He just has to figure out his ticket. And he managed, like, we managed to find this one person who had their tickets upgraded at the last second and gave us their ticket to give to him. It was a better ticket than even we had. He had to, like, avoid going VIP just so he could hang out with us in the unwashed masses in, like, the general admission section. And uh, we had to go back to the car. We ended up uh, crashing in the parking lot of Laval University, me and Brent and Trevor, and there was one day where we're like, you know what? This sucks sleeping in the car. We would get blackout drunk every night just so we could sleep. <laughs> so, like, just go to the nearest bar, get blackout drunk, pass out in the car, and then we could actually sleep. But we thought, you know what? You can get into Laval University. Like, any campus will let you get in to a certain point, and then you need a key card. But there's couches. There's all kinds of stuff. So why don't we pretend to be students that just fell asleep studying? So I grabbed my car owner's manual, any books we could find to pretend that we were, like, studying. I guess I was studying Honda Civics uh, <laughs> at Laval University. And, um, and we went in there, and we tried to pass out on their couches. 
just to avoid the car for one night. And a uh, security guard came and poked us awake with a baton and kicked us out back on the street again. We had one bar we went to to charge our phones every day. Nowhere to shower. We were roofless and ruthless in Quebec City. And it was it was probably like one of the best weekends ever. So don't let anyone tell you that like when a trip goes right, sure, you'll remember it. And sure, it's great. But when a trip goes wrong, that is actually when some of the best memories are made. So just shout out to two of your podcast alumni, Brent Wilkinson, Trevor Morris. Uh, when you brought up one of their names, I just had to tell the story of the time we lived out of my car like bums in Quebec City trying to see Ramstein and getting blackout drunk every night just so we could sleep. Okay, how times. many nights was this? Three? Oh my god. I just can't see a group of women doing this. Like just it seems like a guy thing. Like a group oh, of women would have been like, guess we're going home or, you know, going to the next town or something. Oh, but and no. I didn't tell my wife. So I'm talking to my wife that whole weekend, like, yeah, no, the hostel's fine. It's great. We're all great. we're getting along good. I'm not going to tell you that I'm literally living out of our car and we have nowhere to stay and we are the greasiest bums in all of Quebec City. So that was good. Next um, time, I'll tell you the story of how I got shot. Well, can you bring... You have to tell me now! You got shot? You can't... No! Okay, epilogue number two, addendum number two, and go. Uh, we were carving up a pumpkin with a 22, as you do. It's Cam Lackey thing. Weren't drinking. We were not drinking. Fact. But uh, my buddy had a semi-auto 22, got jammed, not my gun, so I'm not going to try and mess with it. I hand it to him. He clears the barrel by shooting it into the ground. Typical procedure. Hit a rock. Piece ricocheted right into my hand, so now my hands erupted in blood. And uh, we didn't know if it was a rock or if it was lead. But when they did an x-ray at the hospital, uh, it was lead. So, like, they had to dig this this 22 round out of my wrist um, went right into the pillowy part of my hand. Oh. And uh, they let me keep it in a little jar. So I've got this little jar with a little uh, piece of 22 round in it from where I got shot. I have so many um, questions about, like, that is actually a thing? People are doing, this is a thing in Cam Lackey? Yeah, Cam Lackey, baby. Lackey, Lackey yeah. pardon me, but... Okay. I'm a country boy. I'm a country boy, and you shoot things with guns. It's just a... What could possibly go do. wrong? Like... Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a freak accident, though. And the police agreed. Oh, my God. Because the police have to get involved. When you, when you have any kind of a firearms injury, the police are called. So they had to do an investigation on the whole thing. And they... Yeah, there was no wrongdoing. No one at fault. Weird freak accident. No shaking of heads. No, they were probably like, yeah, we're going to do our pumpkin next weekend. And because this is a thing we do. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they didn't carve their pumpkin with a 22. Totally fine to do that, by the way. You just don't hit any rocks. 22 rounds. They, they tend to ricochet and bounce. I own a 270. If I would shot that pumpkin with a 270, it would have exploded. And it would never would have bounced back. It would have just buried itself into whatever. Well, it's one way to decorate a pumpkin. 22s are like a pellet gun, obviously. Still a gun. That is my lesson on guns from somebody who doesn't know very much about guns. And that is a spectacular way to end epilogue <laughs> number two. Okay. Yeah, if you let me, I'll knock your ear off. So, yeah, thank you very much again for the opportunity. This was fun. No problem. I'm worried now that uh, 
I'm going to lose stuff. So uh, I am going to say goodbye and mean it for real this time, mister. Um, have a lovely yep. evening. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, kids, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening.